Across the country, young chiseled warriors awake with a fervor. They don their most expensive attire, looking both professional and stylish. They kiss their crying mother, hug their proud father, and the family gathers around the telephone praying Cleveland doesn't call. At 32 bustling cities, a bearded GM backs away from the whiteboard. He stares at a newly sodded practice field. Birds are chirping. Hope springs eternal as he stretches his fingers and picks up the telephone, dialing a number he has waited months to dial. Today is his day. In Los Angeles, a red-headed ballerina sulks over his desk. Empty coffee cups and crumpled pieces of paper overflow the trash bin. It's the early morning hour and he's pulling out his hair. After all his research, he still wonders, who is calling who? This is the Left Coasters NFL Draft Podcast and Brian the Ballerina Balzarini is on the clock. Welcome, everyone, to the Left Coasters podcast. Again, my name is Tony Cavallo. I'm with Matt D'Angelo-Antonio and Brian the Ballerina Balzarini, and this is our NFL Draft Prod podcast. Podcast. I'm excited. I'm proud. I'm very excited. I can't wait. This is the day we've been waiting for with Brian. Ever since we started this podcast, he has been a- he has been dropping college NFL knowledge on us the whole entire time, and we've been waiting. Because this is your day. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. I got to tell you, my 13-year-old self would be kicking himself right now. <laughs> I got to tell you, this is exciting stuff. I have been going over everybody's mocks. I've been going over all the details, getting everybody's height, weight, 40 combine <laughs> interviews. I've been getting all the all the Adam Schefter updates. I'm excited. Are you excited I'm is the question. I'm very excited. Dangles and I are going to sort of take a backseat here as Brian goes through his first round mock draft. He joins the ranks of Charlie Casserly, Mel Kuyper, Ugh. Todd McShay, Mike Mayock, and now Brian Balzarini. We're ready for the mock draft. Uh, Dangles and I have do have a little treat for you, though. Throughout this mock draft, Dangles and I have picked one position, one player, one team that we guarantee is going to happen. So that's a little surprise for you. We're coming later on in the draft angles, and I both each have a guarantee. We also, in this podcast, have our wonderful NBA analyst, TJ, coming in to break down the NBA playoffs. Tell us about the two L.A. teams. One is in the playoffs. One is so not in the playoffs. And TJ will be able to break down the NBA in a bit. But before we get to that mock draft, Bri, (laughs) we have uh, some news items we need to get through uh, before we get into the mock draft. The first one being... Marshawn Lynch, Mr. Beast Mode himself, has come out of retirement and is now supposedly being traded from Seattle to the Oakland Raiders to play with the super, uh, the playoff-bound Derek Carr-led Oakland Raider team. Marshawn Lynch, Beast Mode, a man that inspired earthquakes with his play. Do you think this is a good move for Oakland, Bry Guy? I love it. I think Marshawn Lynch is great for the NFL. Uh, he was he's a personality, he plays well, he had some injury injuries later in his career, but I think it's exciting. I'm excited to see him paired with that offense, and I hope he gets a chance to, to get his contract worked out and the trade goes through, because I think it would be good for the Oakland fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, having that two-year buffer between they go to Las Vegas, this kind of helps, and I think it, if they can get that Super Bowl in the next two years for their Oakland fans, that's what they're shooting for. And the time is now. With a, with a healthy Derek Carr, that's an incredible, incredible gift they 
could give that city. Yeah, they could win the Super Bowl in Oakland and then do the parade in Vegas. What do you think, Dangles? I mean, they're potentially on the cusp, I think, of, of, of being at that that sort of, you know, Super Bowl contender point, um, if, again, with a healthy Derek Carr. I really see this from both sides, though. I mean, on the one hand, you got a hometown kid in Marshawn Lynch, went to Cal. He's from Oakland originally. Fans love seeing him there, and especially given that there's probably going to be some animosity between the fans and the, you know, the front office of the team because of the move in the offseason, at least to start the season off. Having a guy like Marshawn Lynch there is going to help put butts in seats. On yes, the other hand, um, on the other end, and obviously they need someone to carry the, the lion's share of, of the, you know, the football out of the backfield because I think their de facto back right now with Latavius Murray off to Minnesota is uh, Jalen Richard, who's a great scat back off of, uh, you know, if you want to run a, a screenplay to him. But I don't think he's he's going to do much in terms of being able to shoulder 20 carries a game. I agree uh, with but you. on the other side of this, I also know that, you know, we, we know Marshawn Lynch is injury prone. He spent a lot of time on, on the disabled list. Uh, um, well, I guess it's baseball season on the IR, I should say. Uh, I should say uh, when he was he in Seattle. He spent a lot of time on the bench. Yeah, like, he, he did he, not yeah, play every game. He didn't game. play he, because he was dealing with injuries. So, And especially, I'm less worried about him being out of the year for, or league for a year and cobwebs and more worried about his health. Yeah, I, uh, I'm worried to see what Oakland has to give up for him because Seattle holds all the cards here. They know Oakland wants him and will be the director of this trade. If Oakland gives up a six-round pick for Marshawn Lynch, do it every time. If Oakland has to give up more, then you're playing a little bit of a risk and reward game. So we'll see what happens there. The other story that has come out recently is Eli Manning has uh, allegedly been accused of uh, falsifying game-worn memorabilia. Basically, he gave uh, two helmets that were supposedly game-worn by himself, New York Giant helmets, to a dealer. And instead of giving him actually game-worn helmets, he just gave them regular helmets. He has released, Eli Manning has released his emails saying that... uh, to the equipment manager saying, just get me some uh, helmets that could, quote, pass uh, pass by as game-worn helmets. I'm stumbling over this story because it's pretty much a non-story in my opinion, but basically Eli Manning has been caught uh, kind of bending the rules a little bit when it comes to giving this to a dealer. This is absolutely ridiculous. I think it's a ridiculous story. Well, not only, yeah, you're right, it's a ridiculous story, but Eli Manning, what are you thinking? Yeah. Genuinely, what are you thinking? I mean, you're in a position where you can actually give people things and you don't have to lie about it. Mm-hmm. You know, just say, just say this is a New York Giants equipment from the actual, you know, you don't have to lie that it's game-worn. If it's game-worn, it's game-worn. It's not, it's not. It's no skin off your ass. Yeah. You're a rich man. Why are you wasting your time doing this? Payne should be making fun of you behind the scenes if he, if he isn't already. I always scratch my head when professional athletes do stuff like this. It doesn't make any sense to me either. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion. He's got endorse- He's got endorsement deals. He's got all the money he could possibly want. He's a member of the Manning family. I really don't understand uh, this. But, you know, if you you know, you know want to know whether or not this is a story, if searching for Tom Brady's jersey after that was stolen after the Super Bowl is a story, then I would say this is Apples probably and a story, I appreciate too. your fairness. Did you, did you guys know that that guy that stole Tom Brady's Jersey, Von Miller's cleats, Tom Brady's other Seattle-worn Super Bowl jersey. Didn't have anything happen to him. Got no repercussions for that. Yeah, I had heard. So he's gonna keep doing it. Slapped on the wrist. He's actually not. He's not been disallowed from attending NFL games anymore. He's still part of the media. Wait, so it's the same guy who did all three. Same guy who did all three. Everybody's going to know who I this guy is. I did not know that. All right, so that's it. That's all the news we have. It's been a relatively slow month, as these months are. But we're here because the draft is April 27th, the first round. It'll be on NFL Network and ESPN. And Brian says this is one of his favorite nights to skip work and watch TV because he has both TVs going so he can hear all the information at once. I like the dual TVs. I love the NFL Network on my left and ESPN on my right. And I love to see the Mel Kuypers and the, and the Todd McShays and then the— uh, 
Who who again? Mike Mayock. Mike Mayock. I know how much you love Mike Mayock. I love a good Mayock. So yeah, I'm I'm excited. And I think this is gonna be an exciting draft because there there's so much parody in this draft. I usually have a good idea what the top fifteen is mm-hmm. every year, give or take. This one in terms of guys' grades, you have guys who are within inches of each other in prospective positions. Uh, in 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 you know, and there's not a lot of quarterbacks right now that are that are pushing the envelope. Uh, we've, we're hearing a lot of chatter about three or four guys. We'll get to it, but the point is, there's a lot of parity, a lot of excitement, and I'm happy. Happy to be here to give you a two. I can't wait. Ah, I'm excited. Daniels and I are going to take a back seat and let you fun. run this stuff. And uh, let's do it. Let's jump right in. One through 16 to start us out of the Balzarini Big Board coming up next. And as always, Brian, ram it. Welcome to the 2017 NFL Draft. Woo! I'm Brian Balzarini, and I'm with the awesome, awesome duo of the Left Coasters podcast, Tony Cavallo and Matt D'Angelo Antonio. This is my favorite time of the year, and it should be yours because we've got a lot of things to be excited about right now because we have one of the most incredible, incredible opportunities for a group of young men to call themselves the first-round selections of the NFL draft. With that being said, are you guys ready? I'm very ready. Hit it, Dangles. I'm so ready for this. The first pick is in. With the first selection of the 2017 NFL Draft, the Cleveland Browns will select Miles Garrett, defensive end, out of Texas A&M. This is when the crowd goes wild. Everyone starts cheering, Cleveland, Cleveland. This This is followed, of course, by the chorus of boos that is going to cascade (laughs) down on Roger Goodell when he steps up to the podium for the first time. I'm sorry, Brian. We'll shut up. You go. No, no, absolutely. You will hear boos. You will be hearing cheers. I think the Cleveland Brown fans should be excited about this pick because they are not only getting a great athlete, they're getting a good human being. Okay. He's a clean player, as they would say, um, piling up 48 tackles for losses, 32 sacks, and five forced fumbles in 36 starts. His durability is is somewhat of a concern. He played six games last year with a wrapped hand, but um, and then missed two games after that with a na- nagging high ankle sprain. But he's a rare, rare talent who has exceptional pass rushing skills. He's disruptive against the run, and he's just he's scheme versatile. He is able to to land anywhere on that front because remember, to our Cleveland fans, the Cleveland Browns are switching to a 4-3 defense. Yes, they are. So they give them a lot of flexibility. I think this is a home run, and anybody who's been paying attention to this draft knows that this draft is this 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 pick is coming to the Cleveland Browns. Now, before we move on, is this pick a consensus number one? Like, if any team was in this position, would Miles Garrett be the first off the board? Absolutely, because he is a, no matter who you have at your defensive end position, he is a guy who comes in as a starter. I mean, he's Jadavian Clowney worthy. Nice of of this first round, uh, this first overall pick. He's a degree less in terms of overall talent, mm-hmm. but you're talking maybe if you if you rated Jadavian at a 97, he's a 95. Cool. Is there is there any chance that Cleveland trades this pick away? I guess is before we move on to to the next pick because I think the commissioner is starting to stir. Uh, but but <laughs> it is, is very there, possible. Is there any chance? Because the way I see it, unless Cleveland is going to draft Miles Jarrett. 
or Garrett, excuse me, they should trade the pick because I don't think Mitch Trubisky or a quarterback makes sense for them at the number one spot. That's an interesting question because there's been a great deal of smokescreen coming out of the Cleveland Browns uh, organization over the last week that there's thought that there that, that that within the organization Mitch Trubisky is is a potential number one selection. I I believe that is just nothing but a smokescreen. Nobody believes that. But if anybody were to trade up, it would be to to pick Miles Garrett. So it would be a team that would be needing a defensive end. So if that were to be the case, it would be somebody in desperate need of that position, which I don't know if there anybody is because that is such a a deep position at the draft. But if somebody loves him, it's a it's a strong possibility. Never know what could happen on draft day, I suppose. Oh, here we go. Oh boy. Commissioner's walking up Commissioner's the table. Commissioner's walking with the second overall pick of the 2017 NFL draft. The San Francisco 49ers select Solomon Thomas, defensive end, Stanford. Wow, another DN going number two. Interesting. Okay. Well, I think that was probably the case either way. I think you're probably down there and choosing between uh, Solomon Thomas and Jonathan Allen from Alabama. Well, the thing that Solomon Thomas gives uh, that that a lot of teams will covet is the fact that he has he his flexibility is is what teams will covet. Um, he can be a three-point tech, an outside rusher, or a base defensive end who can play in any defense. Now, remind yourselves that the San Francisco 49ers have also selected DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead mm-hmm. uh, in the last couple drafts. So one could look at this and say, well, they've already stacked that side of the ball uh, on that particular uh, position group, but this guy is a rare talent. If if Again, if Miles Garrett is at a 96-95, you're putting Solomon Thomas at a 94. And then it's and then it's a drop down from there. And defensive ends as we know are are in rare uh, uh um, are in um d- need within this uh in this type of league right now getting after the quarterbacks. Just some stats. I mean, he's 6'3", 273. Nice. Uh played all 27 games during his two seasons at Stanford. Uh amassed 102 tackles, 25 for loss, 11 and a half sacks. Um, he led the team in tackles, tackles for loss, sacks as a redshirt sophomore in 2016. Wow. So this is a young kid. He is only 21 years old. Wow, and a great name. Solomon Great name, Thomas. and he comes from good pedigree, too. And he goes to, and he sticks in the bay. Sticks in the bay. That's true. Goes from Stanford to San Francisco. I think it's a great fit. And I think, again, he gives them scheme versatility. So he can go inside, he can go outside, wherever they feel uh, is necessary. And I think that gives John Lynch the linchpin for the future. And I'm super excited about it. It makes sense at that. that, There's no one else really that stands out on the offensive side of the ball that I think, you know, because you made the point they've kind of already stacked the defensive side of the ball. There's nobody that really stands out to me that they absolutely, you know, need from an offensive standpoint that they would be willing to take at that. Uh, at, at that two spot, you know. Yeah, it's a great pick, and I'm looking forward to to seeing him in the uh, old gold and red. All oh, right, here we go. Goodell's walking up again, number three. With the third selection of the NFL draft, the Chicago Bears select defensive tackle Jonathan Allen, Alabama. Wow, three big defensive men going right in the first three. Jonathan Allen. Uh, this gentleman had a poor combine and workout numbers, but in any other situation would be considered probably the best pick. He's in Dominican Sue-esque. Really? Yes. So uh, he played all in all 58 games, 38 starts in four seasons. He turned down a first-round selection in last year's draft after notching 14 tackles for losses and 12 sacks in Alabama's national title uh, season. Um, he's, he's an incredibly dominant player. Uh, this year he was uh, 69 tackles, 16 for loss, 10.5 sacks with two... Uh, Two fumbles and three recovered for touchdowns. 
<laughs> he's an incredibly versatile defensive line. Uh, he's in, he's a run stuffer first, but also provides uh, uh, support in the uh, in the in the rush on uh, in passing downs. Um, I just think he comes in with an incredible, incredible skill set where he maximized at a school like Alabama, but at the same time, he had very poor workout numbers and a shoulder injury. So you're kind of coming in with a little bit of baggage, but he provides Chicago with that linchpin in the middle, which they sorely need. And remember, they had Leonard Floyd come in last year yep. from the, from from Georgia and played really well in the defensive end position. But I think he gives John Fox that an incredible credible wall in the middle of their defense where they can start building around from I'm happy with that pick because it's not the one that scares me that Chicago would take Jonathan Allen he could be a great player Ndamukong Sue but Green Bay can handle that I'm always looking from Green Bay's point of view I wouldn't be so quick to say that but I, I as a Lions fan I I would be scared to see this guy every game because he again he is that strong in the run game he's going to force teams to to pass more than they would like to. I know gotcha. that may not be a problem with Green Bay, but I think teams like Minnesota and, and Detroit need need a solid run game more so than more so than Green Bay. All right, here we go. With the fourth selection of the 2017 NFL draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Leonard Fournette, running back, Woo! Louisiana State University. I love this guy. Love this guy. This to me is a no-brainer. When you look at the Jacksonville team and what they did in the free agency this year they stacked their defensive side of the ball mm-hmm. i think they mentally prepared to take leonard fournette in the it, with the first overall pick this year because it's the one glaring need that they failed to take advantage of last year with uh with their running backs now remind yourselves they do have a, a solid running back core but the thing they failed to do was provide blake bortles with that consistency in the run game they helped uh they helped themselves off by helping out the offensive line this year i think that is the piece they're missing i could see a run i could see a wide receiver go at this position but i think he's just too good of a talent to pass up what do you think tanks well uh actually it, as it turns out this is uh, my guaranteed pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars. It should surprise Woo! nobody, really. Uh, I've been following this for a long time, and I agree with all the reasons you just gave me, Brian. It makes perfect sense for the Jacksonville Jaguars to take Leonard Fournette. It takes a ton of the pressure off of Blake Bortles in the backfield. They can focus on his mechanics, getting him better as a passer, and they don't have to worry about him doing everything on the offensive side of the ball because TJ Yeldon is uh, injury prone and Chris Ivory is getting up there and he's really no good unless you got him yourselves on the two or one yard line. He's really only good for plowing over the goal line. So I think Leonard Fournette is a lock for this at number four. I'm going with him to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Love it. Very Love nice. It. And just let's keep in mind for our listeners, if there's ever been a player that's been more like Adrian Peterson that has come out of the draft, it is Leonard Fournette. Absolutely. And so, he's 20 pounds heavier and, in a good way. He lost 12 pounds at his at his at his pro day. Wow! So he's 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 all over the place, but he still ran a four five. Unbelievable. Four five at being 240 pounds. This guy could be a defensive end. It's incredible. But Jacksonville gets their runner for the next 10 years. I think. I think. Oh, oh sorry, sorry Tony. Tony. No, I'm cut off by the commissioner. That's okay. <laughs> With the fifth, fifth pick, pick, which should be the Rams pick, but instead is the Tennessee Titans pick because of the Jared Goff. And trade. I bet they're gonna wish they got this guy because at the fifth pick, the Tennessee Titans select. Marshawn Lattimore, cornerback, Ohio State. Ooh. Interesting. Gentleman ran a 4-3-6-40 with a 38-and-a-half-inch vertical. He is the number one cornerback on everybody's board. Uh, he only started one year. However, that one year was incredible. He's a young gentleman. 
He only played two seasons at Ohio State. He was a one-year starter as a redshirt sophomore in 2016. Uh, incredible size. Incredible size. Has great cover skills, outside, outstanding awareness, and he's the kind of guy you can put on an island. He's that kind of player. Mm -hmm. So the Tennessee Titans get that outside corner that they need in their defense mm -hmm. right now that is going to help keep points off the board in a, in a, in a, in a continued uh, uh, meager AFC South. You know what? I like this. I think this makes a lot of sense because they did just release Jason McCourty, who was that number one corner for them for seven years. Now they get the guy to be his replacement, Lattimore. Is he ready to step in the NFL? Absolutely. He's ready, and I think he's more ready. Uh, it, 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 to put it in perspective, this guy would be a top five pick in any other draft. Okay. There it is, Tennessee number five. Anything to say about Lattimore there, Diggity? No, I mean, I think it's a smart move, uh, especially if they're they're getting rid of uh, 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 Jason McCourty. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. No, and I you break the dam on the Ohio State team. You do. That's true. <laughs> that's You're about right. to see a, a waterfall of Ohio State Buckeyes. Here we go. With the sixth pick of the 2017 NFL Draft, the New York Jets will select Jamal Adams, safety. I'm amazed. Louisiana State University. Wow. I'm amazed. I, I'm amazed I, you have goodness, going here. I, I honestly to goodness thought you were going to have Trubisky going to the Jets. At least a quarterback. Here is why. Here is what you're getting with Jamal Adams. A big hitter. Excellent intangibles. Was a captain. They say he was the unprecedented, unquestioned leader of the LSU defense for over two years. This is the kind of guy you want in your backfield. He has a uh, Ed Reed-type quality to him. Mm. He's an incredible playmaker. Uh, left school early as a third-year junior, played in all 37 games with 26 starts. He racked up 189 total tackles, 17.5 tackles for loss. He had 15 pass breakups, five interceptions, and two forced fumbles. He's an incredibly versatile and physical safety. Um he doesn't have elite cover skills, but he's an incredible field general. Plays a good middle-of-the-field center fielder and has the leadership, the run support, and versatility that the New York Jets are going to need to stop Tom Brady, to continue to, to continue to build around those pieces. I To answer your question, why is this not a quarterback? Mm -hmm. This is my opinion, and, I, and it's a shared opinion amongst a lot of analysts. Is this a spot a quarterback could go very easily? Yes, absolutely. But the New York Jets need to start putting pieces on their team where talent resides. And mm -hmm. I think it's a stretch at this point. It's a complete stretch. Could we see somebody trade up? Absolutely. But this is an absolute stretch for a lot of these quarterbacks to go into because the, there is not a first-round grade on any one quarterback this year. In my book. Wow. So if the New York Jets want to stop the, the bleeding, they'll stick with McCown, who they selected in the offseason, who is better than any player, and wait till next year and possibly get in the uh, the sweepstakes for uh, the, the USC quarterback next year, who's going to be the guy. Okay. All right. Moving on. With the seventh pick of the 2017 NFL Draft, the San Diego Chargers I'm will sorry. select— it's not the San Diego Chargers oh anymore. Oh, my God. It is our Los Angeles Chargers. I was Chargers. just testing you guys. I this wanted to make sure it. you guys this were there. This is the pick that we will be on the edge of our seats for because it is the first pick for the Chargers in their new city of Los Angeles. Who is the new guy coming to our stadium? I was speaking as if Roger Goodell would say because you know he's going to fuck it up. But the Los Angeles <laughs> God, Chargers so. will select Malik Hooker, safety, Ohio State. Another Buckeye. This is an incredible pickup for San Diego Chargers. It is a position of need. You mean the Los Angeles Chargers? God damn. Old habits. <laughs> the Los Angeles Chargers will need this player because, again, like Jamal Adams of LSU, now for the New York Jets, 
Malik Hooker will provide a great deal of security and uh, um, a cornerstone of that defense for many years to come. He was redshirted in 2014, played in reserve. He notched 17 tackles, including five and a half tackles for loss. Uh, he needs to add a little bit of bulk, but his durability is, is, is something to monitor after his uh, surgery in January to his torn labrum and sports hernia. So he has some physical uh, limitations in terms of injuries, but if this guy didn't have an injury, he, again, would probably be in that top three, top four, uh, mm-hmm. because he's a pure athlete. Uh, just to put out, just to point out, this guy also could have played college basketball, had scholarships to play college basketball to be a point guard. So he's that kind of athlete. Ohio State breeds these incredible. He could probably athletes. jump out of the building. So oh. is he more of a center fielder than in his safety role? Yes, he is. Now again, he's also kind of an Ed Reed type. He yeah. kind of floats around, and he's going to be a free safety that's just going to lay the wood across the middle. So I think he's again, he's going to provide Los Angeles with a with a ball hawk. He, nothing's going to get past this guy in terms of over the top plays. So it's it's going to be, and, and again, he provides run support. All right, here we go. With the eighth pick of the 2017 NFL Draft, the Carolina Panthers, TJ's Carolina Panthers, select Christian McCaffrey, running back. Whoa! Stanford. Christian McCaffrey, really? That's early. Yeah, that's early. So this gentleman right here, there's not, there's probably not much I'm going to say that most people don't already know, but what's what one thing most people need to understand about uh, Christian McCaffrey is his combine, his interviews, and his uh, pro day were out of this world. The scouts actually halfway through his pro day had him line up at wide receiver. He outperformed every Stanford wide receiver. He performed every receiving receiving. Uh, uh, excuse me. He outperformed every expectation as a receiver. Out of the backfield, lined up on the slot. I think he provides the versatility that Cam Newton needs in an offense like that. Now, this would be a great position for Leonard Fournette. Got selected already with Jacksonville. But Cam Newton needs a guy like this because they remind you, they do have a guy in Jonathan Stewart who's going to be running up the gut still. Who's getting up there in age. He's getting up there in age. So they need a replacement, but they need a de- a, a, a speedy guy who can also line up in the slot uh with with their uh with their with their uh Cal- you know their Benjamin uh, wide receiver there. I, I think he provides the versatility that the that the Carolina offense needs to score points. You got to remember too, Cam Newton has a problem with throwing balls over 15, 25 yards. He's not going to be a guy who's going to be necessarily running running 30, 40 yard streaks. He's going to be a guy who's going to be swinging out of the backfield those intermediate routes, which Cam Newton can do. I would love this pick, and I think Cam Newton would love this pick too. With the ninth pick. Of the 2017 NFL Draft, the Cincinnati Bengals will select Derek Barnett, defensive end, Tennessee. This, to me, is a home run for a huge need. This gentleman had 42 tackles for loss, 29 sacks versus SEC talent in three seasons. Mm. This guy was prolific. There is talk that many people, many scouts in the world, put him just a notch below Miles Garrett. And I think... The Cincinnati Bengals get an incredible steal, uh, at a, again, at a position in which they've been decimated at. Now, could they go a linebacker here, maybe a Reuben Foster out of Alabama? I toyed with that. Absolutely. But this guy brings three elite traits to the table. One, hand usage. Two, closing burst. And three, football instincts. Those are things you cannot teach people. And with a with a division like the AFC North, 
you're going to need elite pass rushers to take down guys like Ben Roethlisberger and Joe Flacco. So I think the Cincinnati Bengals get a guy who could be in a base 3-4 scheme, an outside linebacker, or he could be a right defensive end on a 4-3 front. So it's an incredible pickup for the Cincinnati Bengals. With the 10th pick of the 2017 NFL Draft, the Buffalo Bills select O.J. Howard, tight end, Alabama. Love this pick. This guy is an absolute freak and gives the Buffalo Bills the necessary weapons it takes to compete in the AFC East. With a guy uh, like this, you're able to stretch the defense out, and it gives support to the other receivers, like... Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins needs all the help he can get. Thank you, Tony. And I think it's a incredible proposition to have a guy who at 6'6", 251 pounds, who runs a 4'5'1", catching balls for you and blocking for you. I think the Alabama product is ready to jump in into Buffalo and provide the necessary relief and provide Tyrod Taylor with the needed weapon. I don't think there's a more NFL-ready tight end to come out in a long, long time out of the NFL draft. He reminds me of Kellen Winslow a little bit. This guy's legit. Hopefully he's got his head screwed on a little bit more straight than Kellen Winslow. (laughs) It wouldn't take much. With the 11th pick of the 2017 NFL draft. Going to the the 12th best quarterback in the NFL, according to Matt D'Angelo Antonio. (laughs) The New Orleans Saints select Hassan Riddick. Outside linebacker, Temple. I was wondering when these outside linebackers would start going because these are a premier position in the NFL. This guy is somebody that I would wish could fall to my Detroit Lions because, again, what theme we're seeing with a lot of these players is scheme versatility. Hassan Riddick plays well in any scheme at, at you know, running a 4 5 and 11 and 11 foot and one broad jump and two at 237 pounds this guy could be an olympic athlete overnight um he's the he's an off off the ball linebacker and i believe he gives the new orleans saints that necessary pass rushing that they that they've been missing uh and gives the uh the 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 defensive backfield of the new orleans saints now mind you they do have a uh, uh a second uh first round pick hint hint foreshadowing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it gives the new orleans saints some relief at the back end of their defense, which has been maligned over the last couple of years. And you got to remember, the New Orleans Saints have been trying to fix their defense forever. So this gives them an elite outside linebacker, defensive end prospect that, uh, that, that puts them in contention on defense. Okay. With the 12th pick of the 2017 NFL Draft, the Cleveland Browns select Corey Davis. Wide receiver, Western Michigan University. For most people, this guy is the number one wide receiver, and I think what Cleveland gets in a guy like this is a pure number one receiver, a Terrell Owens type, six foot mm. two, two ten, runs a beautiful four four, uh, three hundred thirty one catches for five thousand two hundred yards and fifty two touchdowns in his collegiate career. He's supposed to be the best route runner out of the wide receivers in this draft. He has a incredible route tree under his belt. And I think what he gives the Cleveland Browns, whoever their quarterback is going to be moving forward, whether it's going to be a former third-round draft pick last year in Cody Kessler or a, and even a Brock Osweiler, if they stick with him, they give now an incredible weapon against Coleman on the opposite side. Mm-hmm. 
who was their first-round draft pick last year, and, and now they have a legitimate offense. Because remember, they put a lot of money in their offensive line. Mm-hmm. And Rightfully I think so. and I think this gives the more, more gives them more weapons that they can they can continue to to stockpile and give that quarterback some relief. And I think getting the number one wide receiver on any board, which by the way, this guy could easily go in the top ten at number twelve, is a steal for the Cleveland. So Bucks. this is the pick that they got from Philly for the Carson Wentz trade, and you do not have them getting a quarterback here. I don't because I think Hugh Jackson is is a smart quarterback coach who knows what he has in his locker room. I think he knows what he has in Cody Kessler. I don't think he knows what he has in Mitch Trubisky or Deshaun Watson. Or Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I think all these guys, again, none of them are plug and play. Yep. None of them are plug and play. Cody Kessler is a player right now. And I think the Cleveland Browns have the ability to still get Jimmy Garoppolo. Still. Mm-hmm. This is the pick that would they would probably need to give up to get a Jimmy Garoppolo. So keep your eye on that on the on draft day. Okay. That deal's not done. Oh, yep, here we go. Here comes Goodell. With a 13th Boo. pick. <laughs> Of the, of the 2017 NFL Draft, the Arizona Cardinals select Reuben Foster, linebacker, Alabama. Love this guy. This is a good pick. So I much. like this. Yeah, this is a great pick. Reuben Foster, again, is another guy who could easily go in the top ten, but he, if you remember correctly, he got thrown out of the out of the out of the combine by the medical staff. Yep. <laughs> when getting when getting his 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 medical test, he didn't even make it to the field, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> He wasn't thrown out of a bar for for throwing a drink or or, 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 or domestic violence. No, he, he talked back to the medical staff. Yeah, he said, do you know who I am? And the medical staff is like, yeah, we do. Sit your ass down, wait in line. And he wouldn't do it. <laughs> So, so needless to say, there's some concerns uh, among scouts uh, that th- that he may not be surrounding himself with the right people. But there is a no better team than the Arizona Cardinals and Bruce Arians to take in a guy like Reuben Foster, who is a a, a, a Ray Lewis um, hybrid meets. Um, let's throw out there. God, I'm, I'm trying to think of a, an incredible middle linebacker wall of a middle linebacker. I mean, in fact, this guy How about hacksaw. Terrell Suggs. <laughs> yeah, could be. But I mean, his 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 incredible feat, his incredible talent is that he's not only a big guy, he's huge. He's 245 pounds. Nice. But he can cover. That's insane. So he's a guy who's a pure middle linebacker in a four in a three four four three scheme who can just sit there in the middle, run plays. I mean, when you're given the the playbook and the and the and the middle linebacker role. For, by by Nick Saban, that's saying something. I think the Arizona Cardinals solidify a position of need moving forward. Another playmaker on a defense full of them. With the 14th selection in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select Garon Conley, cornerback, Ohio State. Now, this is a position of serious need, and it's a good time to take a guy like Garon Conley. Um Recall the Philadelphia Eagles lost Nolan Carroll uh, in free agency, and they picked up uh, Patrick Robinson to a one-year deal, but they don't have a great deal of help at the corner position. Mm -hmm. This gentleman has 33-inch arms, speed 4.44 in the 40, and incredible size at 6'1", 200 200 pounds, 205 Mm -hmm. pounds. So you're getting a guy who is a good, good, good cornerback at a team that needs a good run stopper at that position and that's and that's Garon Conley. This guy was a stud at Ohio State and once again we see another we see another defensive back come off the, the board for for Ohio State marking 3. So, good pickup by Philadelphia Eagles. With the 15th pick of the 2017 NFL Draft, the Indianapolis Colts select 
to Karis McKinley, defensive end, UCLA. This, my friends, is an incredible pickup for the Indianapolis Colts. They 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 took a lot of time out of the free agency to help their defensive side of the ball. I could also see a guard going here to help uh, to I continue. Know, no to offensive have, lineman yet. Not yet, but you could actually see a guy like Lamp. Uh, from uh, Western Kentucky going here. Uh, he's, a, he's a great guard. But I chose Takaris McKinley because the one thing the Indianapolis Colts lack is speed on the end position. And this guy gives it to him. Uh, two seasons this guy played. Started mm-hmm. 23 of 24 games, racking up 96 tackles, 25 tackles for loss, 14 sacks, mm. 10 pass breakups, and 5 forced fumbles. That's this awesome. guy is all over the place. Now, what's interesting about this guy is he has a, a troubled past, not uh, of his own doing, but rather uh, of his family upbringing. Grew up in a rough neighborhood, never had a dad. His mother abandoned him at age five, put him on, left him at, left his, left him as a baby on train tracks. Oh my God! So this guy is is a great su- success story. You'll see hear a lot about him on draft day, and he deserves all the credit. And I'm happy to say he's going to be an Indianapolis Colt. Nice, good job, Takaris McKinley, and last. The 16th pick before we take our break. What we got? The Baltimore Ravens will select John Ross, wide receiver, Washington. This guy broke the timers at the at the at the at the combine. I'm pretty sure he he pulled a groin muscle in the process. (laughs) He ran a 4:22:40. Crushed. That's the fastest time in the history of the NFL combine ever. He's got plenty of uh, of space to run around because this guy not only does he have incredible speed, but he's got incredible production. He had 81 catches for a thousand yards and 17 touchdowns this last season. Wow. This guy is a burner, and what he gives Joe Flacco is that over-the-top deep ball every time. Nobody's going to catch this guy. Uh, they they selected a uh, wide receiver in the first round a couple years ago out of uh, Central uh, Florida, um, Pierman, and he has been okay. He hasn't been great. Brashad Perriman you're talking about, yeah. But he has not had a great deal of support on the other side of the ball, and I think John Ross gives him that. Now, you could also say, uh, Brian, what what about the Clemson receiver, Mike Williams, who's been an incredible talent? I think John Ross is a better fit for this scheme. I think, again, he gives the Baltimore Ravens what they don't, and I think John Ross and and Mike Williams are head and head, so that's why I gave the Baltimore Ravens. So that is the first half of the NFL draft. And it's been an exciting one so far. We still have no QBs on the draft. We still have a lot of teams to come up, and we'll be taking a quick break to debut TJ with his NBA playoff preview before we jump right in to the last uh, 16 picks of the NFL draft. I'm very happy with the first 16, but you feel a good lot about of surprises. It? A lot of surprises. I don't agree with all of them, but I agree with most of them. Good job there. We'll, get we'll, to see, it. we'll see what happens uh, come Thursday. But as always, before we come into the, jump into the NBA playoffs, ram it. And we're back on the Left Coasters podcast, taking a mid-first round break from Balzarini's big boy, just so we can take a little bit of a rest right now. We have our NBA aficionado, TJ Wortham, back with yes, us, sir. ready to Woo! break down the NBA playoffs. Uh, NBA playoffs start really soon, and uh, we'll be obviously putting out this podcast a little bit into the first round, but we're going to break down the whole thing right now, the two full months of NBA playoffs that it takes, which is Far too long for the playoffs, but that's okay. We're in the NBA. We're also in L.A. right now. So let's start off with the hat that you're wearing on your head, the Los Angeles Lakers, who uh, did not make the playoffs. I'm pretty sure that's that's correct, right, Teach? That is correct. Okay. That is correct. And what I'll say is uh, the Clippers and Lakers are very very similar in some aspects, gentlemen, this season. And, uh, 
You know, whether it's a hit hip hop record from Lord Tariq and Peter Guns, a uh, Denzel Washington Tony Scott action thriller, or a black cat walking by in the Matrix and then walking back by again, the theme for LA basketball this year, deja vu. The Lakers, just like last year, are at the bottom of the Western Conference from the outside looking into the playoffs. The only postseason excitement potentially for these guys is hopefully a favorable ping pong ball that'll land them a top draft pick. The Clippers, just like last year, are in the fourth round of the playoffs. Excuse me, the fourth position in the first round of the playoffs. They're playing a young, good team this year in the Utah Jazz. Uh, that might give them some problems. Similarly, last year they were playing the Portland Trailblazers. And even with the excellent play of uh, Tony's sleeper MVP pick, Brandon Bass, averaging 11.2 <laughs> minutes per game and 5.6 points per game, he was not able to be the difference maker for the Clippers so the broad strokes for both teams at this point, gentlemen, is a lot of the same. Deja vu. What's the uh, the quote from that coach post game that's real famous? The uh, they were who we thought they, they were. They are who we thought they were. Yep. Dennis Green. Okay, there Rest you go. Peace. That's the personification, in my opinion, guys, of where these. Let teams me ask. Are at. Let me ask you this, TJ. Um, I was reading a column that Bill Plaschke, the LA Times sports columnist, wrote not too long ago, um, basically arguing that the Lakers should tank, should have tanked the end of their season, uh, in order to better their their draft lottery chances. Um, I was just curious on, on your thoughts on just maybe that idea of tanking a season and, and just to, to, to better your prospects, especially for you as a Laker fan, because we, we actually did a segment on the show that I, I work on professionally on, on the NPR station here in, in California on this, and my host took like great offense and we had Plaschke come on and talk about it Ooh, but he like nice. you know so he and Plaschke kind of went at it for a little while about why that was you know Larry my host found this completely unacceptable that a team would throw games out the window and and lose on purpose essentially so that they could better you know but we see it in football sometimes we've seen you know sure. we've seen we've seen teams do that down the road so I'm just curious your thoughts on sort of losing on purpose to maintain a draft edge well, it's tough with a young team where your principal should be giving your all every night and trying hard to somehow implement some kind of strategy that is going to you know, encourage you to lose. So not just installing the winning mentality from day one. It seems problematic to me, but at the same time, it's a business. It's a numbers game. you got to be smart about it. Uh, thankfully, uh, they didn't play themselves out too far of the good chances they have in the lottery. They currently have a 47% chance of retaining either the first, second, or third pick in the NBA draft. As long as they have the first, second, or third pick, they get to hold on to it. If it becomes four or higher, uh, they lose that pick to 76ers via the Suns for the 2012 uh, trade of Steve Nash. Wow. So it's basically a coin flip. Laker fans wow. are you know, just keeping their fingers crossed. They get that first, second, or third pick. Because uh, that'll keep them in a good spot with momentum, at least, building into next the year. The irony of all that, really quickly, is the Lakers couldn't stop winning down the stretch of the end of the season. They were they playing did. really they, well in the last few games. It seems they, they seem to be trending up. You know, they, they, they won six of their last seven. Uh, they've got a good young core. They've got a coach a lot of folks believe in. The front office has a little magic these days, you know, and maybe that works, maybe it doesn't. But I gotta imagine, as a free agent or uh, you know, when you're sitting down, it's it's more exciting to be with Magic than Jim Buss and Mitch Kupchak. I gotta think that's gonna help him sign some free agents. So yeah, it's Los Angeles. Yeah, you know, who, who, all that jewelry, the rings and things you sing about, bring them out. You sit next to Magic Johnson, baby. He brings out that jewelry. Where's the dotted line? Have I'm to, signing. Have to, and uh, so that's what we got going on in LA. 
What do we have in this first round and potential second round matchups that you see that will jump off the page? Because normally the first round of the NBA playoffs is the first seed has beaten the eighth seed in four games. We don't get a lot of uh, uh, surprises here. So are there any surprises, any second round matchups you find particularly juicy before we get to the big guns at the end? Uh, yeah, I think the first round is actually going to be quite entertaining. Uh, first round uh, upsets are relatively common. There were not any last year. No underdogs were able to pull it off last year. The only two places I could see it happening this year is the number five uh, Utah Jazz over the number four Clippers. Mm. I think they got a puncher's chance. Uh, Hayward is a superstar in the making. Rudy, oh. Rudy Gobert, defensive player of the year candidate. Um, they got Kennedy Meek, Spirit Animal, Stretch Mark Four, Boris Diaw. Love the so, Stifle Tower. Love the Stifle Tower. So I think Utah, you know, they're a good team. I've, I date a girl that lives in Utah. That flight from Utah to L.A., it's not bad. Uh-huh. It's nice and quick. Uh-huh. Have a little California cabbage. Close your eyes. You'll be there in no time. And so I really think that uh, that's one. But then this is my hot take of the, the show, guys. Can I Uh-oh. give it to you? Yeah, I'm ready for it. It's happened about seven times before, six, oh, seven no. times before. So it's not uncommon, Tony. <sighs> it's not unprecedented to see yep. a number eight team yep. knock out a number one. A number one team. Uh-huh. And right? let me guess. It ain't the Golden State Warriors yet going you out, think, is it? You think the Chicago Bulls have a great shot at knocking off Coach Stevens' I got number a, one seeded Boston Celtics? I got a stat for you. I, got, I know you guys get nerdy with the stats on this show, all right? So here's a stat for you. We love stats. The Celtics are uh, have the worst record in over 10 years to win a conference in the NBA, right? So mm-hmm. they're 52 wins, the worst record to win a conference. So they didn't run away from the pack, essentially. They're right in there. They can mix it up. You know, when you got – when I look at the talent of Bulls versus Celtics, uh, they match up some ways and some ways they don't. But if you got D-Wade healthy, that's kind of the key. But Butler's a stud. Um, you know, obviously Rondo, if he can put his ego aside, national TV Rondo, yeah, championship Rondo, Mm -hmm. Celtics championship Rondo. Mm -hmm. Um, I know him. What do you think? What do you think about that? Uh, I think, I mean, Chicago is not a good matchup for us. I know that for a fact. Uh, I also think Chicago is a team that wanted to tank, and the players did not allow themselves to tank. The, The the organization wanted them to tank and get a draft pick out of it. And are probably not. They're probably happy with the playoff money they're getting, but they're not expecting a title run out of this team. I also know that this Celtics team, as good as they are, have not won a playoff matchup since the Kevin Garnett Celtics. So we got to get out of the first round big time. And the number one seed means nothing if you lose in the first round. But I will say that the Celtics have the fourth best home record in the NBA, and the oh, I'm sorry, the second best home record in the NBA, and the fourth best road record in the NBA. Okay, I don't like the small guard being able to take off in a in a playoff series. We've seen guards like Derrick Rose being the best player on their team, but they're small guys. You know, often teams find a way to shut them down defensively, and especially guys in the fourth quarter that seem to do well. That's kind of the time teams can hone in. Um, but, you know, they're well coached. they got a good defensive team. I know team. two teams I'm going to be watching here uh, uh, from the Eastern Conference anyway are the Milwaukee Bucks love to them. potentially upset the Toronto Raptors because I love Giannis Antetokounmpo. The Greek, the Greek freak. freak is amazing. Oh, yeah. He's been amazing all year. And the Washington uh, Wizards winning their first division uh, title in a long time and with one of the strongest backcourts, I think, in the entire NBA with Bradley Beal and John Wall. And because of that, Dangles, I will say the NBA wants the Washington Wizards versus the Boston Celtics in the second round. Okay, let's no. jump right into it then, yep. my man. Eastern Conference Finals, what do you got? Yeah, I got Wizards and Cavs. Ooh, the yeah. Wizards making a trip. Washington, D.C. Yeah. would love that. Who wins? Cavs win. In? Six games. 
Okay, all right, and the Western Conference Finals. It's going to come down to one and two. The creme de la creme, cream rises to the top, baby. Warriors and the Spurs. No chance for Houston, huh? No. Okay. No. <laughs> they don't play defense. No. I don't like James Harden. Uh, it's going to be fun to see him go against Russell in the first round. That's a nice awesome. first round notable, too. Well, but I'm before we move on, who's I'll your MVP? Watching. Oh, Russell all day, baby. I think, I gotta think be, it's, it's no gotta decision. Be it's got to be Brody. Yeah. It's got to be Brody. Yeah. There's, no, there's no question about it. So you have who winning the Western Conference? As much as I would love to see Pop and my boys put an upset, I think it's going to be Golden State. Okay. Yep. In seven. That'll go to seven. Ooh, okay. All yeah. right. And then uh, our finals predictions. Before we get to yours, we're going to go around the horn with the left coaster, starting with Dangles. Dangles, what's your NBA finals prediction, buddy? Uh, I'm going to actually slightly vary it up. I think the Spurs are going to get the edge on the Warriors this year. I like uh, Cavs-Spurs final, and um, I think LeBron wins again. I-, I think the Cavs are still the team to beat, even though they've been playing like crap since the all-star break they haven't been playing defense lebron's the best basketball player on the planet and we know what he does in the playoffs he just turns it on he's he's a different animal in the postseason than he is in the regular season and i i just I, they're they're the, they're the team to beat and he's the guy you have to take down you come at the king you best not miss okay. that's one of the best rivalries too in the nba in the last 10 years oh, is yeah. lebron james versus spurs oh, not, yeah. not any team lebron, LeBron james, james. I've, I've got Cleveland the same but i've got the spurs winning spurs winning i mean I think, you guys, it's Golden State. They're the best team in the league, and the Cleveland Cavaliers are the best team in the East, but they are not the team from last year. They have a better offense, but a much worse defense. Uh, I have Golden State in five over Cleveland. TJ. So disrespectful. Golden State's the best team. So disrespectful. You forget that Kevin Durant's coming back. He's one of the top five players in the NBA on a team with the best record in the NBA. I don't think anybody forgets that. They're the best team. They're the best team in the They're league. They're still beatable. I was going to say. I don't think so. Yeah. People not said, with, the, people said the same thing last year with them and that record. I know. And, and LeBron put on his hard hat and went to work. I just think he can't do it I again. I should say Cavs in seven. I, I didn't give my game prediction. Cavs in seven. This is going all the way. Okay. Against the Spurs. Against the Spurs. Yeah, Cavs, right. beat, Cavs beat San Antonio in seven. Spurs in six. All right. Warriors over the Cavs in five. TJ. Well, guys, I did a little reading in preparation for this uh, This. Uh, chance to be on your show as well there's a new book that just came out called return of the king by brian winhurst he's a fellow nba analyst and um it's a great read uh i I read the whole thing came out a week ago i mean well technically i listened to the audio on my iphone but i felt like i read it that still counts you know that still counts there's a chapter called little kev i employ any of you guys uh, out there who want to hear a really interesting story google little kev when you get home regarding uh, the cavaliers run to the championship last year but um, I say that to say Cavaliers in seven, just like my pick I made uh, in the show we did for the preseason left coasters. Okay, Cavs in seven. staying with it. Cavs in seven. All right, buddy. Thank you for coming in. If you guys want to hear more from uh, TJ Wortham, you can listen to his LP that he dropped on Spotify, iTunes, and all available, how do you say it? Major digital music platforms. There you go. It's called Organized by Jones. It's a fire fucking album. It is. I have to say, this is. it's on my workout playlist. I listen to it when I'm at the gym. And I get that a lot. It's, it's, it's nice. the gym thing, which it's is nice. It's nice. I like yeah. to shuffle it in, and I'll get a little dose of TJ in between. I like it in the car ride. You know, it's, Ooh, it's okay. good. Before work. It is good. I highly recommend this mm. album. Check it out. Please Organize, do. Organized by Jones, again, on all major digital media. Yeah, outlets. Did I say that right? Digital music platforms. Also, okay. JonesHipHop.com. Jones uh, you can find a lot of my stuff. Um, and when we do finish this, can I say it? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I believe we're done. We're heading on to the second part of the Balzarini Big Board coming up next. Thank you, TJ, for being Thank here. Thank you, TJ. Happy Thanks you for having me, in. guys. Thanks, Stage. All and, right. Uh, we love you, buddy. Let's have a fun playoffs this year, huh? Absolutely. And as always, ram it. And now we're back. We thank TJ for coming and talking about the NBA playoffs, but we have still the 17 through 32 first round of the Balzarini Big Board coming up. The first 16 picks went as followed. Cleveland, Miles Garrett, San Fran, Solomon, Thomas, Chicago, Jonathan Allen. Jacksonville took my man Leonard Fournette. Tennessee got Marshawn Lattimore. The New York Jets, Jamal Adams. The L.A. Chargers, Malik Hooker. Carolina took Christian McCaffrey in the surprise of the draft. Uh, Cincinnati took Derek Barnett. Buffalo took the tight end of dreams, O.J. Howard. New Orleans got Hashan Riddick. Cleveland takes the first wide receiver off the board, Corey Davis. And Arizona takes Reuben Foster. Don't tell him what to do. Philly got Garen Conley. Indy took to Karis McKinley. And Baltimore took the record breaker, John Ross. So that's five D linemen four defensive backs, and two linebackers in the first 16 picks. Just five offensive players with two running backs, one tight end, and two wide receivers, and zero quarterbacks in the first 16 picks. I believe we have the next uh, 16 picks coming. What we got so far? With the 17th pick of the 2017 NFL Draft, the Washington Redskins select Dalvin Cook. Running back, Florida Ooh, State. Interesting. I like him, and I wish he fell to I Green Bay. Da- I like Dalvin Cook as well. I mean, what's uh, what's your reasoning here, Brian? So my thought in all of this was this was a very hard pick because right now at this point with the players that have been selected, you're actually looking at a lot of a lot of offensive guys. You're looking at a lot of uh, linebackers, and I and I think a position of need right now for the Redskins. When you look at their defense and you look at their offense, they're a really good team. Yes, they They're are. They're a really good team, but what they don't have right now at all, at all, is a running back. Oh, fat Rob Kelly is yeah. mad at you now. And Dalvin Cook can come in and potentially be the best running back selected in the NFL draft this year. Wow. So the Washington Redskins get that guy, and they've got to keep up with Zeke Elliott. There was a time yeah, last year. There was a time up. last year on my fantasy team where Rob Kelly was like my number two running back. Yeah, yeah. And he was. Tearing it up for me. But how many years has the Washington Redskins struggled at the running back position with no namers? Oh, pretty who much ever pick- since Clinton Portis left. Let's pick up Delvin Cook. Let's compete with Zeke Elliott. Let's get this run game going, Washington. All right, Washington. That's what you get. With the 18th pick of the 2017 NFL Draft, the Tennessee Titans select Mike Williams. It was waiting Wide for him receiver. to come there he goes. Clemson. 98 this is catches, a good fit. I like this. 98 catches, 1,361 yards, 11 touchdowns for the national champs last year. Mariota gets his weapon of the future. This guy is very good. His one deficiency, why I did not have him go earlier, is he does not have a great route tree. Mm. But recall the offense that Deshaun Watson ran at Clemson is very similar to the skill set and the style of Marcus Mariota. Look at you making making synopsis. That's a, I can't making speak. Making connections. Yeah, we're making connect, we're making marriages here I just at the hope, Left Coasters podcast. I just hope that this Mike Williams fares better oh, than previous God. Mike Williams. Uh, I the, the one I'm thinking of specifically was a, a wide receiver out of Syracuse by the name of Mike Williams, who I actually, who I actually had a freshman year group project with, and he showed up to the <laughs> first meeting and then never came to another one of them, of course, because he was a fucking Athlete. But surprise, he still got surprise. an A in the class. He still got an A in the class. He got drafted uh, by Tampa. I think he spent some time in Buffalo as well. And but this um, Mike Williams this is Mike changing Williams the way. Is going to change the way of the Mike Speaking Williams. Speaking of Tampa I Bay, think. 
Tampa Bay's up next. With the 19th pick of the 2017 NFL Draft, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers select David Njoku, tight end out of Miami. This gentleman has been rising fast through draft boards. He is an absolute freak. He has 11-foot, one broad jump at the combine, 37th and a half inch vertical, 4.6440, and has incredible length. He has le- he has arm length the size of a left tackle. So he's an incredible, wow. incredible player. Uh, six foot four, 246 pounds. He is going to. I mean, when you've got a guy like Jameis Winston who needs who needs playmakers at at every position, you you give him tools. I liken it to the Detroit Lions. You just select the best offensive tool to give Jameis Winston the ability to do anything he wants. And this guy stretches defense. Now, mind you, they had a great tight end pickup last year. Uh, their rookie tight end had an incredible year. Cameron Brait from had a, Harvard. Had had eight touchdowns, uh, I believe, last year and did a wonderful job. But he he does what this guy does. David does what he couldn't. And that is he's going to rip defenses apart. Well, and it makes the uh, Buccaneers offense that much scarier. Scary. I think because then Deshaun you, Jackson. you have yeah, Deshaun Jackson, you've got a two-headed uh, tight end attack with Cameron Brait, who is a solid uh, 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 guy that you can throw to in the red zone, uh, and this gives them a physical freak at that position. I think it's a great pickup for them. And that's a scary offense right there. All right, here we go with the 20th selection of the 2017 NFL Draft. The Denver Broncos select Garrett Bowles, offensive tackle, Utah. The first First offensive lineman. And the most athletic offensive lineman. This gentleman's got an incredible, incredible past. Uh, was a JUCO, had some uh, off-the-field problems, came from a very troubled past, uh, went to Utah, and has had a great career since. Cleaned his act up. Uh, he he he's a, he's got a he's got a bit of an edge to him. He's a bit of a motor mouth. Uh, gets into a lot of uh, chitter chatter. But who doesn't like that out of their left tackle? And I think the Denver Broncos get a position of need and get a the top talent in the draft. And 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 he provides a great deal of of a. At the pass protection position, which the Denver Broncos need, and I think uh, they they made the right selection here. Uh, with the 21st selection of the 2017 NFL Draft, my Detroit Lions select Gerard Davis, linebacker, Florida. Okay. I was convinced you were going to say Taco Charlton. I actually had. A Did pro- you consider Taco I Charlton? Very for this? much. I've. I very much consider Taco Charlton. I think the one thing that that weaned me away from Taco Charlton is his lack of production. Mm-hmm. Taco Charlton has a very and we'll get to Taco in a second. I will believe me, Taco will have be talked about but a great Gerard deal. Davis, but linebacker. Gerard Davis, why Gerard Davis? Gerard Davis is a Quan Alexander type. He is an incredible sideline to sideline guy. He is a absolute missile. And people have to recall the Detroit Lions, the, the biggest deficiency on their team is not their defensive line. In fact, it's their linebacking core. They currently don't have a starter right now other than uh, number 59. God, I can't remember his name, but it doesn't matter because that's how irrelevant he is. <laughs> the point is, is that the linebacking core for the Detroit Lions is, is barren. They just got rid of... Tahir Whitehead <laughs> is the name of the guy <laughs> that you're go. trying to Love find him. out. Love him. He's a great player, but he's not a starter. But uh, they also got rid of their – give it to me, Dangles. Oh, Kyle Van Noy. No, Kyle Van Noy. No, no, no. DeAndre uh, Levy. DeAndre, DeAndre oh, Levy. Oh, okay. They got rid of DeAndre Levy. Uh, DeAndre Levy uh, had some injury problems, couldn't stay healthy, uh, had, his other off, uh, had another knee surgery. But what this guy offers is he – 
provides a starter at the middle linebacker position. Just give you some quick stats here uh, for all my Lions fans. He's running a 5-6-40 and a 38-and-a-half-inch vertical at his pro day at Florida. He started nine games, missed three full and most of the fourth with a leg injury, and finished with 60 tackles, nine-and-a-half tackles for loss, two-and-a-half sacks. He had his best time, his best season as a full-time starter in 2015 with 98 tackles, six and a half for loss, and three and a half sacks. You watch this guy's, you got you watch this guy's highlight tape. He sticks. Absolutely sticks running back for the Tennessee Titans. Alabama. Uh, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry. Sticks Derrick Henry in the hole. Not only sticks him up standing upright, like the Oklahoma drill. He forces a fumble mm. against Alabama in 2015. I saw that. And I said, "That's the guy." Now, did you make this pick because you, Brian, want him, or you actually think Detroit will I make think this selection? I think Detroit will make this selection because he's ranked on most people's boards, ranging from 28 to 25. Mm-hmm. So at 21, this is a great positional need. But at the same time, you see a lot of guys, defensive ends, Taco Charlton, Harris out of Missouri, going to the Detroit Lions. The the uh, Dan, not Dan, Bob Quinn of the Detroit Lions general manager stated this week the strongest positions on their field right now are offensive line and defensive line. So here's a guy who doesn't see the deficiency. And, you know, you've still got Ezekiel Anza, you've still got uh, Haloti Nada, you've got Robinson from last year. It's They're going to be okay. They don't have a linebacker. With the 22nd pick of the 2017 NFL draft, the Miami Dolphins select. Forrest Lamp, guard, Western Kentucky. I'm sorry, time out. What's his name? Forrest Lamp. <laughs> I love Lamp. <laughs> so this is a credible pickup for them because Jeremy Tunsil is moving to the left tackle. They have, they've got, they've got piecemeal uh, guys at the left guard and right guard position. They get the best guard in the draft, who, by the way, ranks out as one of the top ten players. In this draft, so they're getting, but because of because of lack of position need, I was uh, going to say they already have such a great offensive line. You really think they're going to take a first round they, pick and use it on an offensive lineman? They struggled. They struggled Lamp. in the first half of the season at at, at at offensive line. Jeremy Tunsil was not playing his best ball. But I no, think, he wasn't. Laramie, Laramie Tunsil, excuse me. But I think they get the I think they get the guy that comes in. Plays right away. He's got scheme versatility at the guard position. Can play center. Can play, but they got pouncy. They don't need that. But they get a guy who can come in, start right away, and they can improve the run game right away. That's his. That's his. That's his bread and butter. Forrest Lamp. I can't wait for those jokes next season. Moving on. With the twenty third selection of the twenty seventeen NFL Draft, the New York Football Giants select Ryan Ramchick, offensive Ooh. tackle, Wisconsin. Oh. Oh, what do you think Elche would think about this? Uh, he, I don't think the New York Giants would be happy, and he'd get booed out the building. But I like this guy, and was kind of looking at him for Green Bay if he fell. He provides the the Giants with a a right tackle right away, and I think he's going to potentially move to left tackle, and they're going to bump Flowers out to right tackle. Mm-hmm. I think this gives exactly what the Giants need, and that's more protection, a better run run blocker. And it provides them with stability at a position which I think was one of their weakest points throughout the season. I like it. I hope LJ likes it too. With the 24th selection of the 2017 NFL Draft, the Oakland Raiders select 
Kevin King, defensive back out of Washington. Love the this pick. absolute freak of the draft. And I had to think very long and hard whether or not the Detroit Lions would select him. Um, for all the reasons why uh, prior, that's why not. That's why I didn't select him. Uh, but Kevin King, six foot three, two hundred pounds, four point four three runner. He gives exactly what the Oakland Raiders need and want in the most athletic defensive back uh, and a starter right off the bat. And pay attention to those numbers, left coasters, because my guarantee is coming up in a little bit, and we're going to compare those. He's a long, versatile defensive back. Um, I think I know where he's going for you, so I won't ruin that or spoil that. But um, he's going to take the majority of the the, the snaps at the perimeter position. He's going to be an island. He's going to help lock down, and I think he's going to help push the Oakland Raiders. I think it's a great pick, but I don't think he lasts that long, Brad Guy. You know, I had a part... To your point earlier, the Philadelphia Eagles yeah. could be could be a serious position for this guy, but I think he's not a scheme fit for the Philadelphia Eagles. Got you. With the 25th selection of the 2017 NFL Draft, the Houston Texans select Mitchell Trubisky, Woo-hoo-hoo! quarterback. All right. First quarterback Finally. off the board. Is it very possible that Mitchell Trubisky goes higher up in this draft? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. totally. Absolutely. But this is where his talent lies, late first rounder, okay. to a position, to a team of need. And I don't doubt for one second that the Houston Texans are thinking right about now in the draft room about moving up and giving away the house for a guy like Mitchell Trubisky wow. in the middle of this draft. Wow, that'd be tough. That'd be tough. But here's what they get they get probably one of the most talented quarterbacks to come out of the last, I don't know, two or three years. But he's a guy who hasn't had enough time. There's too much of a question mark on this guy. He's only started 13 games. That's less than Mark Sanchez, people. That's less than Mark Sanchez. Yep. And we know how that, that how that turned out. But he is an incredible, incredibly accurate quarterback. Wow. 30 to 6 TD to interception ratio. Great. 68.2 completion percentage, which is impressive considering that he threw th- two interceptions and completed just 36% of his passes against the against uh, the Virginia Tech Hokies during a hurricane. So okay. this guy's stats, he he's a, he's a probably a 75% passer, yeah. and he throws every ball everywhere. Good so he is an incredible passer. The Houston Texans get their starter, and they don't have to rely on Savage. To yep, start, because they he, missed out on Romo, and they missed out on Robo, but they get the, they get a guy in camp who can compete, and I think Bill O'Brien can work with this guy, bring him up slowly. There's not enough pressure on him to be a first mid round draft pick. He's a late first rounder. They can bring him You've up. Talked me into that pick. With the 26th pick of the 2017 NFL Draft, the Seattle Seahawks select Cam Robinson, offensive tackle, Alabama. I toyed with putting King cornerback mm-hmm. with the Seattle Seahawks here mm-hmm. because a six foot three, two hundred pound defensive back who can shut down out of the state of Washington is too much of a good marriage. But I just didn't think he was going to last. But what the Seattle Seahawks get here is a starting offensive tackle on an offensive line that is absolute fucking garbage. <laughs> absolute fucking garbage. It's pretty bad. Robinson possesses incredible length, 35 and a half inch arms. He's an elite mauler. He's an incredible run game blocker. I like that. He's a durable starter, 43 career games. He's got great inline ability. Um, he did have one kind of mess up. He was arrested in 2016 May for an illegal possession of a stolen firearm and possession of narcotics. But who doesn't like to party? 
But wait one second there, Brian. This is the Tony Cavallo guarantee. At number 25, the Seattle Seahawks will select out of UConn, Obi Melifonwu, the safety, safety out like of UConn. It. Six foot four, 225 pounds and 33 inch arms. He ran the 40 yard dash in 4.4 seconds. He has a 44 inch vertical jump. He has a broad jump of 141 inches. This man is the athletic demon that makes the Seattle backfield the way it is. And with this pick, he will replace Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas in a few seasons under their belt and is the one that they will build in the future. Obi Melifonwu guaranteed to go to Seattle from you. Heard it here first, Tony Cavallo. I like it, Tony. That is a great pick. There you go. He is not a first-round production player, but he has all the measurables. Absolutely. I wouldn't hate that. I, I, can't, I can't argue with that too much. Oh, here we go. With the 27th pick of the 2017 NFL Draft, the Kansas City Chiefs select Deshaun Watson, quarterback, Ooh, Clemson. like that pick. This, to me, I want this to happen. <laughs> I want this to happen for Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson is my favorite player in this year's draft. This is a guy who has just won, won a lot of ball games, and and is not getting the credit he deserves. Why? Because he is a terrible, terrible deep thrower. Over 25 yards, his completion percentage drops precipitously. But what they get in a guy like this is incredible completion percentage and incredible accuracy and game management in a in in a 25 or less mm-hmm. yards kind of offense that's i mean there is no better offense than Andy Reid and Alex Smith than 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 any team in the NFL currently that Deshaun Watson could go to learn from sit behind and they're going to need him probably next year. Alex Smith does not look to be a long-term solution for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think Deshaun Watson comes in, learns the playbook, learns from one of the best quarterback coaches and head coaches in the NFL who has a history of taking guys like Donovan McNabb and Michael Vick and making them great players. Deshaun Watson, Kansas City Chiefs, ladies and gentlemen. With the 28th pick of the 2017 NFL Draft, the Dallas Cowboys select Taco Charlton. Defensive end, Michigan. Here is a guy who, based purely on his on his measurables, could be a guy that could go as high as 15, 16 in this draft. Could easily go to my Lions. But I can tell you from doing enough research, hearing enough voices that I respect, that Taco Charlton is a guy that I think you do not want to want to select 25 or less in this draft. Why? Because he played sparingly early in his career. And once he got in, he had great measurables, great stats against big games. Ohio State played really well. Florida State played really well, had great stats, sacks all over the place. But he disappeared against mediocre talent. Mm -hmm. He disappeared against uh, middle-level talent in the Big Ten, and that scares me. Okay, That scares me. But what does Dallas get? They get a starting defensive end, a position of need, and they get a big, I mean a whopping big, big, big defensive end. If Cam... Go back. Go back, Raj. Yeah, go back. Go back, Raj. Go back, but real Raj. quick, if Cam Robinson somehow falls to Dallas in this point, I will throw something at the TV. If they get another prototypical tackle in this draft just to walk right in and replace Doug Free, I'll be the angriest man on I earth. I don't think that will happen, and here's why. Because with a guy like Taco Charlton, who racked up 48 tackles, 13 for loss, and a team-high 9.5 sacks, and a big, and a big 
big big conference like the Big Ten, he that's 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 gold to Jerry Jones. Yeah, like that's gold to Jerry yeah. Jones. That's just sexy. So I, I I just see Taco Charlton being a great fit for the uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. All right, Roger. Especially with that name, right? Boo! With the 29th <laughs> I'm crossing my fingers here. Crossing my fingers. Of the NFL draft, the Green Bay Packers select Tredavious White. Oh, come on. LSU. What do you mean, come on? I thought long and hard about this. Everything that you would want in a in a in a player is in Tredavious Wright. Sell it to me. 5'11", 192, a four-year senior, fourth-year senior uh, in 2016. He appeared in 49 career games, 47 starts, mm-hmm. tallying 167 tackles, 36 pass breakups, and six INTs. He is one of the most instinctive corners with decent size, good speed, and quick feet, and he's and he's got incredible ball skills. Uh, and is a great run supporter, which is extremely important in, in, in a conference like the NFC North. Um, he's the kind of prospect that I think you want. Mm-hmm. You definitely want. Great pedigree, great talent, production out the ass, and he's a great leader. Incredible work ethic, which is a Green Bay Packer quality. And, and, and again, another guy who's come from very financially poor background. So I think he adds value, and not only that, but adds value in the punt return game. Hey, I, I'm, I'm happy with that pick, but if Jabril Peppers is here, we're taking Jabril. I know that for a fact. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think, unfortunately, Jabril Peppers, which we'll get to in a second here, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, mm-hmm. but... <laughs> Goodell, coming in hot! He's an asshole. What with can the, you do? What can you with do? With the 30th overall pick of the 2017 NFL Draft, the Pittsburgh Steelers select... Jabril Preppers. There you go. Safety. Michigan. This is another marriage of perfect, perfect need and talent. Mm-hmm. He has an incredible rare versatility with a great straight line speed, 4.4640. Uh, we all know about his 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 attributes, but here's the one little fun stat about Jabril Preppers most people don't know. Jim Harbaugh says that he is the he has the best football IQ of any player he's ever coached since Andrew Luck. Mm-hmm. For a guy like Jim Harbaugh to say that about a defensive player like Jabril Preppers, uh, that that's saying something, and and is a and is to me exactly what the Pittsburgh philosophy. I think he is a Troy Polamalu. He's exactly like a Troy Polamalu, a guy who flies around the field. It doesn't matter where you throw him at the. Uh, he's a he's a great sack artist, uh, great instincts. Um, the one thing that I would say to him is that he lacks positional development. Mm-hmm. He does not. He does not have the training, if you will. So it's going to take a long time to train him in one specific position. He's got great athletic ability, but he's not perfect for any one position. I see him as a safety, which is, I think, what exactly what Pittsburgh needs him for. I don't see him being a, a, a need for safety at, for the Green Bay Packers. See, I think he replaces the Micah Hyde model of our slot corner safety that Micah Hyde was playing in Green Bay. But I will say, if he does not go to Baltimore... All the way at pick number 16, he will fall into this range of the Dallas-Green Bay-Pittsburgh area. I now, had a hard time with Dallas, too. Yeah. With Sorry, 30, he was kind of napping for a second okay. there. With the 31st overall selection of the 2017 NFL Draft, the Atlanta Falcons select Charles Harris, defensive end, Missouri. Uh, this is a guy people are anticipating going high as 21 to the Detroit Lions. However, when you look at his tape, he's very undersized. He's only 6'2", 250 pounds. So people aren't sure whether you play him at the outside linebacker position, you put his hand in the dirt, but either way, he's going to be a good guy. The one thing he lacks, unfortunately, is a great skill 
set of tools when it comes to being a defensive end. Great bull rusher, has a great spin move. His spin move's amazing, but he's not going to get away with that all the time in the, in mm-hmm. the NFL. Uh, 24 games in the past two years, uh, combined total of 117 tackles, 30 tackles for loss, 16 sacks, and four forced fumbles. Great production, and I think the Atlanta Falcons get a get an incredible player opposite Vic, Vic Beasley and continue their reign as, as AFC South champions. And with the last selection of the 2017 NFL Draft, the New the Orleans first round, Sa- anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the New Orleans Saints select Buda Baker, safety, Washington. Love that name. Team high, 71 tackles. Not the greatest size, lacks an ideal size, uh, but it's the only part of his game that you can't say is, is stellar. Um, he's been a great special teams player. Uh, and and is probably most kin to Tyron Matthew, so okay. I think the again I think the New Orleans Saints with their first selection of Hassan Riddick, uh, and now with Buda Baker, yeah, going put that defense. defense in a yep. good position, and they need that. That's that, they, they really they need do. to focus on the defensive side of the ball for and sure. And they got this pick from trading away um, um, Brandon, Brandon Cooks. Cooks to the New England Patriots. This is obviously the Super Bowl champion selection. New Orleans doubles up on the defense, and there you have it, right there. The Brian Balzarini big board, all 32 selections. That That was awesome. We will see how it holds up when the draft is Thursday, April 27th. But before we go, guys, we have two teams, obviously, that did not make a selection in this draft. Well, we have a few teams that didn't make a selection, but we're going to focus on the one that's in L.A., and then I have a little special for Dangles on who New England will take and pick number 72 all the way in the third round. But the Rams' first pick falls in the second round because of the Jared Goff trade. Instead of drafting at number five overall, they are pushed all the way back. Who do you see the Rams focusing on, Brad Guy, when their pick comes up? I think they're going to look to a guy like Marlon Humphrey, Alabama cornerback, six foot, a quarter, 197. He is a guy that helps that team out tremendously. I think one of the weakest positions for the uh, LA Rams currently, amongst many other weaknesses, right, uh, is is their defensive back position. I think they give a they give themselves an opportunity to have a Pro Bowl caliber, potential caliber uh, player. He has the highest ceiling of any corner in this draft. Mm-hmm. Highest ceiling of any corner of this draft, but just failed to put it all together. And I think he has the the the, the makings to be a Pro Bowl cornerback for the Los Angeles Rams. Okay, so Marlon Humphrey coming to the Rams. And again, New England does not have a pick until the third round in Dangles. And, Bri, you'll be interested in where I think New England's going here because I think this is, if he lasts this long, a prototypical, perfect New England Patriot player. I have them selecting Jake Butt, tight end, out of Michigan in the third round. That is a great pick. I think he fits their scheme exactly. He's obviously not going to beat out Rob Gronkowski for the job, and Dwayne Allen is now on the team, but this guy is a four-year starter. He's a captain. He is a man that sits on a... He's a leader of men, and that's what New England likes to select, and those are leaders. So I think Jake Butt goes to New England in the third round. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, Recall Jake Butt had that tight end, uh, uh, had that knee injury in the... 
Florida State, uh, Orange Bowl, I think that was a very sad day for everybody because Jake Buck could have easily been a first-round draft pick. Yep, now he falls to New England. I'm kind of looking at the Patriots to take an offensive lineman here. I think one of the areas that they could really shore things up for themselves in the offseason is that offensive line. We talked uh, before the Super Bowl actually a little bit about uh, how we thought and was, but that was probably their weakest point. Uh, and, I, and again, this is going to be a later-on draft pick. And uh, unfortunately, Brian, you know, I'm not as plugged in on the draft as you are. I'm not uh, too familiar with what offensive lineman might potentially be up for uh, up for a pick uh, by the time the Patriots uh, uh, come around to uh, to draft. I believe it's in the third round. Uh, but I think an offensive lineman would be their best move. They're really good on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball right now. They've made some excellent offseason acquisitions. Uh, so I'd really like to see them shore up that offensive line, give Tom Brady a little bit more protection uh, in the uh, backfield. That is going to do it uh, for the special draft edition of the Left Coasters podcast. Uh, we will be watching the NFL draft, which is uh, scheduled for April 27th. That is a Thursday. I expect uh, that we will be uh, attempting to watch it together, if at all possible, and see how well our friend Brian the Ballerina Balzarini here did. For Tony Cavallo and for Brian Balzarini, my name is Matt D'Angelo Antonio. The three of us are the Left Coasters. Uh, Don't forget to like us on iTunes uh, and leave us a review if you like what we do, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Left Coasters Podcast. You can find us there as well. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next time, and as always, ram it. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you.